You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. I, um, I did. I got, I got gripped with a, a vision back in 19. I got saved in 97, Northwest Arkansas. And then uh, I don't know really how it happened. I'm a 20-year-old, got saved out of a you know, really crazy life, got hit by the power of God. And I began to gravitate to these older women, intercessors. And uh, these, uh, as uh, my buddy Rick calls them, conf mamas. But uh, these, uh, but these are the kind of women that are, devil come out, or I'm coming in after you, kind of women. And these girls taught me how to pray. And I, and I, I, I kid you not, I spent my first two years with two 50 year olds and one 80 year old woman. And uh, they taught me about early morning prayer and late night prayer, and about praying through. And I just, I had this obsession and this magnet on me to be in the presence of God and to pray and to acquaint myself with God. And little did I know that it would lead me to me and my family to Kansas City in 2000, where we would spend the next 18 years doing 30 plus hours a week in a prayer room. And I fell madly in love with just being with him and, uh, and out of that place, reading the word, praying the word, standing up, asking God. I didn't have a plan to go preach out of it. It wasn't like Go put in your time so you can get anointed and have a ministry. God was the reward. And I wanted to set on row two and, and ask him to send historic revival to this nation and to the earth and ultimately come back. And, um, and so that was the goal. That was the vision. That was the, the grand plan. And uh, the Lord took us on a journey. And I've discovered the power of corporate prayer over these last 20 years corporate prayer. And that's been my whole agenda this month is sowing seeds to begin to rewire and shift our paradigm to building around the presence, building around his presence and building communities that, you know, that aren't just checking off a weekly box, you know, that aren't just coming in here and getting a little Timmy and a little Susie in the back and hearing a good word so you can go about your life, but building a community around him and the power of corporate when we come together. And so that's been my unapologetic aim and agenda. And I've, I've walked through from the beginning in the garden all the way through. The Lord has set apart sacred space for where we would meet together with him. And out of the overflow of that, we would take dominion and that we would rule. Because I want to change the world. Amen? Amen. Who wants to change the world? Well, I, I am... So deeply convinced that this is God's number one way of changing the world. So that's why I've invested 30 hours a week. That's why everything that I can do, I want to I get old in a prayer room. You know, I look for, I, mean, I, I, I feel like a Simeon in a lot of ways. Most of us think about Simeon and Anna at 80s, but they started in their 20s. All right, so it's always cool for cute retired folk to go do that. But when you're in your 20s and you go, something significant is happening in my generation. Something transitional is happening in this generation. And it's not just another normal generation, but something historic and I believe epic and I believe absolutely transitional is happening in our generation. And whether it's mine or my children's, I believe that we, the earth is being prepared for the greatest transition in all of history. The greatest transition up until this time is the, the coming of Jesus. 
his, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And for the last 2,000 years, it's what I want to talk about this morning, he's been in the ministry of intercession, but we are moving into the greatest transition in human history, the descent of a Jewish man out of heaven and the removal of all the other kingdoms of this world as he establishes his kingdom on this earth. That's a... That's a, prof- that's a profound hour. That's a different hour. And so I, I have it inside of me that we're in the beginning of that generation. And so I believe that in these hours, it changes how we do church. It changes how we do life. Tuesday ain't Tuesday anymore. Thursday ain't Thursday anymore. Saturday ain't Saturday anymore. It's, it's different how we raise our kids, how we, we get them into the present. Da, 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 da. All right. I, so my unapologetic aim this last month has been, and I did the da-da-da-da-da because you're like, okay, I can't take no more. You're, you're punching my head in. All right, good. I'll, I'll back off of it a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I spent, and if you guys are just jumping in with us, I, I spoke at the beginning of August about, from the very beginning, the first thing that the Lord did after creating Adam was he planted a garden. And he put the man in the garden, and that would be the place from where God and man would connect, and then man would be filled with the knowledge of God's will to rule over the created order. That was the original plan. Well, you know what happened in the fall, and from the very beginning in Genesis 3, the Lord told the devil, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. He goes, I want you to know, devil, you won round one, but there's going to come a child, a seed through this woman, Eve, that's going to crush your head. And that prophecy sets the framework of the whole word of God is that there's going to come a seed, an intercessor, who is going to reverse the curse and establish everything as God designed in the beginning. And the story of the Old Testament is God bringing forth the seed. God bringing forth the intercessor. And God at significant moments throughout the Old Testament raised up intercessors to intercede for the intercessor. People like Abraham, and people like Moses, people like Hannah, people like Esther, people like Daniel, who came at strategic points in Israel's history at usually moments to where they were about on the brink of destruction, God would raise up an intercessor, an Esther who would be in the right place at the right time to literally avert a national annihilation. And God raised up his intercessors along the way, and the great cry of the Old Testament is, who can stand in the gap? All right? Who Who can stand in the gap? Because when we talk about intercession, and that's where I'm going today, intercession or an intercessor, an intercessor is one who stands in the gap between two opposing parties for the purpose of reconciliation, okay? Like there are two people fighting. I know moms, we do this. Dads, we do this. You got two kids fighting. You step in the middle. You're an intercessor. And for the purpose of look at each other, say you're sorry, give each other a hug, and let's move on. That's intercession, and from the very beginning, God promised an intercessor who would step into the gap between sinful humanity, a holy, righteous God, and make reconciliation between the two. 
That's powerful. I love Isaiah 59, 16. Can we put that up here? And I'm just going to throw some verses. You can look at them later. But the, the great cry of the Old Testament is, can I find a man? And we always use that as, is there a man? But the sad fact of Old Testament, God couldn't find a man. He saw that there was no man. And, and this is just to have fun. Not to have fun. It's profound. An intercessor has to be a man to represent humanity before the throne. <laughs> he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. When God could not find a man, God became a man. His own arm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. I love it. Jesus is the outstretched arm of the Father to creation, and he's our outstretched arm to Abba. He is the arm of the Lord. He is the arm. He's our reach to Abba, and he's Abba's reach to us. And the Father provided his own intercessor. This is glorious. This is, we don't talk about this aspect of Jesus. The very last verse of Isaiah 53, the crucifixion psalm, uh, crucifixion, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 12. Isaiah 53, verse 12. It says, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. Look at this. He made intercession for the transgressors. Most of us, when we think of intercession, we think of a loud prayer meeting. It's part of it. But it's ultimately a, a life of intercession is a life surrendered to the will of God. Intercession has never been louder when Jesus was more quiet. It was a life given in the very act of the cross, interceded for the salvation of the world. All right? That's beautiful to behold the intercession. Intercession isn't just a loud prayer meeting. It's a life surrender to the will of God. That's what disarms principalities and powers is humility, meekness, mercy, sacrifice, surrender. You want to break the power of the devil in your house? Go low. All right. Are we okay? All right. All right. I just want to give you the word intercessor. I want you to see it in the Bible. I want you to feel the fact of God looking for an intercessor. When God could not find a man, he became a man. And before Jesus made intercession at the cross, he is intercession. Two worlds live in one man. God and man, heaven and earth, glory and vileness, beauty and humanity. He is two worlds in one. First Timothy says, Behold, there is one man, the media, he talks about his mediator, he's a mediator, the man, Christ Jesus, who stands between God and man, fully God and fully man, the mystery. He is intercession before he makes intercession. <laughs> it's not just an act, it's a, it's, a, it's a being, it's an identity. All right, all right. So he comes, he is, he dies. He resurrects, he ascends, all right? And most of us just kind of go, and then the credits roll, and now we know Jesus is going to come back someday. And we really don't know what else to talk about other than he died, he resurrected, he ascended, and he's coming back again. There's been a 2,000-year gap 
between his ascension and his return. What's Jesus doing right now? What's he, what's he into right now? Because Jesus isn't in a lazy boy. He's not in a hot tub. He's not chilling. He's actually engaged in full-time ministry right now. Jesus is in full-time ministry right now. And this is where we come into our identity because this is what you and I have been born into. We've been born into a specific identity and calling. I want to look at a couple of verses and I'm going to highlight. You're going to see a book from the Bible highlighted a lot today. It's the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is one of the great books that talk about Jesus's. The whole book of Hebrews is about Jesus's superiority from all the other people in the Old Testament. These Jews were looking to get away. That They were feeling, they came to the Lord, they came to Jesus, and they were tempted to go back to Judaism. So the writer of Hebrews, whoever it is, they don't know who it is, shows up and says, guys, Jesus is greater than everybody. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Joshua. He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than everybody. Therefore, give yourself to him. And he talks a lot about his priestly ministry. Look, look at Hebrews 4.14. So I'm going to quote a lot today. So I want to talk about what Jesus is doing today and how we're joined with him. I have three agendas today. I want you to see him at the right hand of the Father. Number two, I want you to receive his intercession for you. And number three, I want you to join him in the ministry of intercession. That's my three goals for you today. First one is see him. And how do I mean that? Seeing then <laughs> that we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Can you go to verse 15? I don't know how hard that is. But I want you to see that word seeing. For we do not have a high priest. Everybody say a high priest. Okay, that's the, the terminology. That's the same thing as an intercessor. He is our representation before the throne of God. In the same way that the high priest came from Aaron's lineage who would represent the whole nation on the day of atonement, Jesus is our high priest who represents us before the throne. Is that making sense? Hey, can, can we run? Can we run? Okay. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points. Tempted as we are, yet without sin. Do you know what gives Jesus authority before the throne of God? There's nobody's story in here that he doesn't get. There's nobody's story in here that he doesn't understand. It's actually the fact that he became a man and walked through all points. That phrase, all points, which means in the same way, he was tempted, he was tested, he was tried. And that's what gives him authority before the throne of God is he represents the whole mess of everything we've been through but trusted the Father through all of it. And that's what gives power to an intercessor is I understand. That's why he's a sympathizing high priest. There is a man who understands whatever your story is. We do not have a high priest who can't sympathize, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus never sinned once. He felt every arrow of anger and 
Everything that the devil could breathe was breathed on Jesus, and Jesus trusted the Father through every temptation. And he had to become a man to become an intercessor because God, Jesus, in his pre-incarnate state would never understand what we walk through. This is mystery. All right. Verse 16, that, this is what this does to you. It calls you off the islands of living away. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace for help in time of need. It actually invites you off your island to the throne. There's an invitation for all of us today to the throne. Can you put Hebrews 8 verse 1 up here? Holy Spirit, I'm calling you to the throne today. I'm calling you to the throne the ministry of intercession is a throne room ministry. It's a throne room ministry. Uh, I was just saying it. Everybody ever wondered what the main point of the book of Hebrews is? Well, thank God he waited till chapter 8 to tell us. This is the main point. <laughs> so why, you, why didn't you say that in chapter 1? This is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated. Everybody say he's seated. Come on, I love that. Who is seated at the right hand, I love this, of the throne, of the majesty in the heavens. I love, you know what I have outside my Bible? There is a man seated. There is a man seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And this is what I was thinking of during worship. Who was is, who is, who is alive? And, you know, whatever. I ain't going to bust on your age. I'm right behind you. Who was alive July 19th or 17th? I got to look at my, my book here. July 16th, 1969. All right. Talk to us about what did America feel when Neil Armstrong and the other guy put their foot on the moon. What'd that feel? What was the buzz? What was it? A sense of pride, a sense of conquering, of exploration that we just put. One of our people just put their foot on a place that has never been touched by any human. Maybe the Russians got there before. I don't know the exact story, but... <laughs> But the main point is, as an American, have you ever felt such pride? Have you ever felt a, such a sense of nobility and exploration? Like we just broke through into uncharted territory. One of our people touched up there. It's the one small step for mankind, one, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Their representation, one of us, were represented on the moon. And the sense of pride and excitement that touched them. Guys, do you have any clue? We're not talking about the moon. We're talking about one of us. There is a man. There's only one man in heaven right now. Everybody else is disembodied spirits and angels. There is a resurrected man sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven who fully sympathizes with everything that we have walked through, who fully represents you before the throne of God. One of our folk have gotten up there. One of our folk are up there, which means this. We made it. 
We made it to the throne. He made it to us. And then he took us up with him to the throne of God. And there is a man sitting. Nobody sits in the presence of God. Angels buzz around. Elders fall down. But there's a man sitting. It speaks of government. It speaks of authority. It speaks of dominion and ruling. There is a man seated at the right hand of the Father. Which means, guys, we need to get excited. That is why we, oh my goodness, Psalm 110. Can you put that up? The most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament is Psalm 110. Okay, just whatever. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, the Father speaking to the Son. Yahweh to Adonai. David's overhearing this. <laughs> Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Keep going with me. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. And then look at this. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek, which is, it's higher than the Levitical priesthood. It's an eternal priesthood. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. I love to picture it like this. He's sitting as a priest. Jesus is a priest, and so he's sitting at the right hand, the king over the whole earth, and he's a priest. So that the rule and the nature of his kingdom and the nature of his throne is mediated and is released through priesthood. Okay? Which means he's not just a king with a prayer life. He's a priest who rules out of the place of priestly ministry. Can you put Hebrews 7.25 up here? This is, what, this is how we understand the church. This is why I'm going to be here at 8 in the morning. And everybody's got different lives and jobs and stuff like that. But I believe that when I stand up there and I sing and I worship him, it's beautiful. But it's ascending into that place so I can join him in ruling and reigning over North Dallas. I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to pray prayers that are going to literally alter destinies because I said that. We're not just having a good meeting. Court's in session. Court's in session. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. All right? So Jesus is in intercession right now. Have you ever asked, what, what do you think that looks like? What do you think Jesus is doing at the right hand of the Father? Is he rocking like Lou Engle? <laughs> What's he doing? I've asked myself this for 20 years. Jesus, well, first off, I want you to see this. Who in here have come to God through Jesus? Raise your hand. If you've come to God through him, this is one of my favorite things. He's able to save you to the uttermost. What a cool word, uttermost. Which means this, it's not just justification, it's his intercession that is bringing about your sanctification. 
And it's his intercession that's going to bring about your glorification. He's going to save you to the depths. So I've asked myself over 20 years, Jesus, what does that mean that you're making intercession? And I feel like I've boiled it down to three things that I believe it represents when he makes intercession. Number one, the very fact that a man in a resurrected body is standing in the presence or sitting in the presence of God, his very presence makes intercession for you and me. He looks to the Father and he just says, Father, when you look at me, see them. Hebrews 9.24 says that he has appeared in the presence of God on our behalf. When the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. The Father sees you through the lens of his Son. He is our representative, and he, he represents us before the throne. You have an advocate, you have a mediator, you have a voice before the throne who speaks on your behalf and the very fact he's there screams, Father, they're in me. Number two, his blood makes intercession. Hebrews 12, 24 said that there is a blood that speaks a better word than that of innocent Abel. Y'all remember Abel? Cain, Abel, Cain kills Abel. Lord walks in there, where's your brother? I'm on my brother's keeper. He goes, I can hear your brother's blood crying out from the ground. What was Abel's blood crying? Justice, justice, justice. There is a blood. There is a blood. It's not just a, it's not stale blood. It's living blood that was offered on the mercy seat and it's eternal sacrifice that lives forever. It's one sacrifice for sins once and for all and that blood has voice. This is why martyrs open up doors into nations. It's because blood has voice. Blood has intercession. Blood is intercessory. And there is a blood spilled by this man. It says it was communicated through the eternal spirit in Hebrews. The blood communicated through the eternal. His blood cries out mercy on your behalf. His blood actually has voice on your behalf. Hallelujah. 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 And the last thing, so every one of these are Pacific Oceans. His presence, his blood, and number three, his words. His words. I believe Jesus is speaking words before the Father. I believe he mentions your names. I believe he mentions names. I believe that he brings us, I believe he, he prays John 17. John 17 is called the high priestly prayer. I believe we know what Jesus is praying. I believe he's doing Psalm 2, ask of me, I'll give nations. And I want to just focus. Now, first thing is I wanted you to see him there. So I think we're getting him there a little bit. Number two, I want you to receive his intercession for you. Now, in one sense, we have because we're here and we believe in Jesus. You've received his intercession, but his intercession is ongoing. So it's not just he got us in salvation it's his intercession because do you know why you can have confidence that what he started in you, he's going to finish? Because he ain't going anywhere. It's an eternal sacrifice. It's a once and for all sacrifice for the sins of the world. 
which means that you can have confidence. What he's begun, he's going to complete. Christianity, it's deep. We want to have rich theology. We have a rich thinking about the finished work of the cross and what gives stability in the midst of storms. When you got hell knocking, I want you to, I love to tell the Father, I'm in the vice grip of heaven. Ain't no devil come against me. I'm in the vice grip of heaven. I've got heaven surrounding me. Clouds of witnesses cheering me on. The intercession of the Lamb of God on my behalf. I ain't going anywhere. It's stronger than my last week, stronger than my resolve. There's an intercession that cries out louder. Can you put Luke twenty two thirty one? I love this, what Jesus told Peter. This is what I believe he's doing for many of us. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Peter goes, and you told him no, didn't you? First off, how can the devil come to you? And ask you, he goes, we'll talk about that another time. He goes, but yeah, the devil came to me. He goes, hey, you're rock. Let me take my best shot at him. And Jesus goes, go for it. On one condition. I get to pray for him. <laughs> look, look, I love this. Next verse. He says this, but I've prayed for you. Not praying. It's already settled. I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, which means it's going to be bumpy for a second. It's going to get a little weird. You're going to be at the local tavern hanging out, just kind of running around like an idiot for a second. Peter didn't make it to the cross. Peter didn't make it to the cross. No telling what only God knows. And thank God that only God knows what happened those three days. I love it that when the angel showed up and told Mary to go tell the disciples, and he goes, tell the disciples and Peter. <laughs> and Peter. That's, there's a book that I read. There's a book I got. It's called And Peter. <laughs> and Peter. <laughs> thank you. He goes, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Look at this. And when you've returned to me, take the power of this moment and go strengthen the church. Go strengthen others by the power of my intercession to carry you through your darkest nights. Look around you. We've had everybody look at each other. Let's look around each other and say, how in the heck are you in here? I know me, and no, most of you don't know me. God knows me, and we're looking around. What are you doing in here? What are you doing in here? Why, why after everything you've been through, you still want to wake up on a Sunday morning and come to church? What happened? There's a man at the right hand of God who forever lives to make intercession for you. He represents you before. He prayed you through your darkest nights. When hell came knocking, he was praying. His intercession carried you. Picture behind up saying, we ain't living in Shameville. We're not living in victimhood. We're not going to live in Stupidville. You're tired of having sand in your mouth when you jump out and you find out it's just an oasis or a, a mirage in the middle of the desert. Are you sick of sand in your mouth? His intercession kicks you. His intercession slaps you. His intercession picks you. 
throws you, it's the power of his intercession. Friend, let him wash you in the fact there's a man. It's not us just blindly reaching to get to the finish line. It's not Christianity. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. No, we got heaven behind us pushing us. Pushing you. When you don't want to get up, you get up. When you don't want to forgive, I can't believe I'm forgiving you the 50th time on this issue. I don't know what happened when I went to sleep, but I'm waking up different. And I want to tell, we'll get to this in a second too. I'll tell you what he did. He's got intercessors around the world who got woke up at 3 a.m. And they start praying in tongues and they don't know who they're praying for or what they're praying for over there in Bangkok, over there in Malaysia. And they're sitting there praying in the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden God's, God's got three billion prayers like that. Holy Spirit's just moving. Because that's how Jesus do. It's not just Jesus alone. We're his body. We're joined with him. And he prays through us. Romans 8, 26. So I want you to see it. First, you got to see him up there. Number two, you got to receive it. I always think of Peter when Jesus was washing their feet. What did Peter say when Jesus was trying to wash his feet? Lord, you washing my feet? He goes, you don't know what I'm doing, but you'll know it after. He goes, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me which means he's got to first do it for you before he does it through you. He's got to do it for you before he does it through you. Whoo! Whoo! I'm tired of quicksand theology. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I stand on it. I stand on it. It's not slipping. I'm not wondering if he's in a good mood today. If he's going to only relate to me because I made a D plus on last week's quiet times. There's something bigger going on. He's not flippant. He's not bipolar. He's not schizophrenic. He's not in. He's not like this. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. What's our weaknesses? We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Friend, you have the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you and I are joined with Jesus at the right hand of the Father? How do I know that? Put your hand on your belly. <laughs> I am joined with that Jewish man at the right hand of the Father. Through the Holy Spirit, I'm one spirit with him is what 1 Corinthians says. 1 Corinthians 6.16 says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So I can feel, this is where, okay, so he's there. He makes intercession for you. Now we're going to talk about how we join him in his intercession. This is the amazing thing of the Holy Spirit. I can feel what Jesus is feeling right now. I can say what Jesus is saying right now. I can pray what Jesus is praying right now. Because I have his spirit living in me. His spirit, not a third cousin spirit. His spirit. Now, if I were to tell any of y'all, and this is really weird, but just for sake of whatever, 
I'm going to say, hey, I love you guys. I'm dying, but don't worry. My spirit's going to come live inside of all of you. <laughs> First off, you're like, I'm out of here. This is weird. When we say his spirit's living in us, what are we saying? Who he is. And I can get caught up into the heart of God. I, can you put Hebrews 3.1 up here? This is probably my favorite verse of our new creation identity. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Everybody say, I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling. Now let's say it like this. Say, I have a heavenly calling. I have a heavenly calling. We are joined in that man at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 2 says that we have been raised and seated together with him in heavenly places. And the seat that he takes seated, he has now raised us up and seated us together in him and with him. Your earthly function flows out of your heavenly calling. Your earthly function flows out of your heavenly calling. You're a mom second. You're a wife second. You're a husband second. You're a father second. You're a priest first. You have a heavenly calling first. You've been given access and you connect to God. You look at God, you worship God, and you agree with God by declaring the words that he's saying that's your primary calling. Therefore, whatever you do flows out of who you are. That's why the pay is the same, whether it's two kids at home in diapers or 20,000 in a stadium. It don't matter. It's all a step down. <laughs> all right. I want to call us into intercession, Upper Room Frisco. I believe that the primary grace that's been strengthened over the last decade has been worship. We will worship forever. But I want to tell you this, as you worship him, he's going to bring you into his heart. He doesn't want you just looking at him. He wants you partnering with him. He doesn't want you just singing about how awesome he is. He wants you joining together with him in the burdens that are on his heart. And worship is the elevator into the place of partnership. And I believe that God, through worship and intercession, intercession is how God's kingdom is released. He creates and releases his power through words, through sounds, through songs, that establish his government in regions. Think about the power of what you do. Think about the ministry of intercession when God puts someone on your heart. Think about this. You get a random thought about, I wonder how she's doing. Or you know how she's doing. And the power, and I used to only think the spirit of prayer mattered when I'm on the ground writhing 
and gripped with travail and tongues for like an hour or two. But I've discovered the power of 30 and 60 second prayers. Or let's say 15 to 20 second prayers. When those people come to your mind, you are entering in to the heart, the longing, and the will of Jesus as you say, God, I ask you right now, their marriage is on the brink of a divorce. Father, I pray right now, tenderize their heart. Tenderize her heart. Tenderize his heart. God, move right now upon them. Break through the lies and the accusations and the hurt. God, I ask you to release your love into that situation right now in the name of Jesus. Do you understand the power of that 10 seconds? Now, this is what intercession is. We are believing God's put it on my mind. He's brought me into the story. I'm joined with Jesus. And now I'm looking at the Father and I'm asking him to intervene. Now, this is the crazy thing. They can live in North Carolina and none of your impact is limited. Intercession is an eternal ministry. It transcends time and distance. Do you understand the awesome impossibilities, the possibilities of what can happen when a people gather together and we start praying for the church in Afghanistan? We start praying for brothers and sisters. We start praying for people we don't even know in Afghanistan from a little prayer room over here in Frisco and we start asking God to intervene. I believe at the sound of my voice, angels are breaking in, bringing bread to people. I believe that there's divine protection from Taliban. I believe there's conviction to Taliban. I believe there's stopping of the will of Satan. I believe there's pushing back of Satan, release of light, protection, and 3,000 things are happening when we gather together. But this is the crazy thing. God needs you to ask him to do it. How does the God who knows what he's going to do need you to tell him what he said he wants to do? What is it? Because God doesn't dance with robots and mannequins. He actually wants us to bring our weak labors and say, God, would you do it? Would you touch her? Move, move God in Afghanistan right now. See, he's crying through me. He's pleading through me. I can't get on a plane and get there, but I've got access to something that transcends. I feel like this is an untapped place and we don't even understand our authority and the governmental center of worship and intercession. And I feel like, Jesus, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. Thank you, I really appreciate that. Good, I can knock the funk off you. Now take your seat next to me and let's go. Sing over cities, sing over nations, sing over people. And the power of simple words. It's not about how awesome you say it. It's all broken and we all sound like two-year-old babbling to God. But there's something powerful about when a man I mean, when you see those images of babies being tossed up there that we've seen on social media and television, those images get driven so deep on the inside of you and you're like, God. And it connects you to that place of intercession. And I deeply believe God hears my prayers. And I believe that God hears our prayers. 
And I believe the ceiling is lifted when we do it together. And I believe more happens when we do it together. That's, that's the fundamental premise of this whole month. God does more when we do it together. It's weak. The chord progression may be off. That person over there might be praying a little weird. Might, their flags are too in my face. But God takes the weak sacrifices of people, translates them. I and think about this, that we can impact Afghanistan from right here. God, we ask you to move in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over Kabul. We plead the blood of Jesus over Kabul. Strengthen the church. Divine provision right now. Angelic visitation right now. Strengthen our brothers and our sisters. Push back the works of Satan. Push back the, push back the agenda of Satan. Push back. It's not men that are Satan. It's principalities and powers. God, convict Taliban members. Spirit of conviction. Move in the name of Jesus, God. We pray mercy in Kabul. We pray save children, save families. Save the lost. Deliver. Convict. Break in. God, I thank you that you hear our prayers Translate this into power. Take simple words and translate them into power. That's the spirit of intercession. And when he comes on the end of the Holy Spirit, we don't know how to pray as we ought. I don't even know how to pray. That's when I go into tongues and I start praying in the Holy Spirit. And I don't even know how to pray. Romans 8.27 says, He who knows what the mind of the Spirit is... So Jesus knows the mind of the Spirit and he prays according to the will of God. So it all translates to Jesus and Jesus prays the perfect will of God and we're in him. Holy Spirit. God, I ask you to bring Upper Room Frisco. Bring all of us, God, into your holy heart as the intercessor. God, we ask you to do it in Afghanistan today. We ask you to do it all over the world. We ask you to break it with your power. Have mercy, we pray, God. Have mercy.